Hello and welcome to How About Them Huskers. My name is Will Miller Francesco, and for the first time in two weeks, I'm joined again by my grandpa Husker Dan in the beautiful state of Omaha, or sorry, beautiful city of Omaha in the beautiful state of Nebraska. Uh, grandpa, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. And, you know, we, we were just chatting a little bit with our guests. We, this is the first astronaut we've ever had on. We've had Heisman Trophy winners. We've had, you know, uh, writers, so on. So this is really a, a I'm, I've been looking forward to this thing for a long time since we set. Yeah, this me too. Out. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Uh, we just have so much to cover today and we have a limited amount of time. And so we, we may, this may be one of those things that we asked Clayton to come back, you know, uh, maybe after the season or whatever and uh, mm-hmm. put mm-hmm. a bookmark. In yeah. This. Yeah. I know that I, uh, that the last two episodes I've been saying uh, to you guys that, um, I w- that we we're going to get grandpa's take on Scott Frost and all that that went down while he was uh, out, but we'll do that next week for sure. Um, and maybe we do one during the week or something like that. We can figure that out. But I think uh, we just need to uh, take, take some time with our guests today, especially because you don't get an astronaut on your podcast every single day. <laughs> exactly. You know, I was going back through thinking about, well, first of all, you know, I lived in Southern California for almost eight years and, and you get accustomed to that kind of uh, uh, marquee lifestyle, not not my lifestyle, but just California it just is so immense. And then you come back to Nebraska and there are less than two million people in the whole state. And then you start looking at some of the great people who have come out of this state. And I'm just going to name just a few of these. And I'm, I'm just scratching the surface. Um Johnny Rogers, Niall Kinnick, Eric Crouch. Those are three Heisman Trophy winners from, from Omaha. You got Bob Gibson, Gail Sayers, Marlon Briscoe, obviously Tom Osborne. Uh, you have Johnny Carson, Dick Cavett, Marlon Brando, Henry Fonda, Nick Nolte, Dorothy McGuire. You have Alexander Payne, who is a writer, producer, director. Larry the Cable Guy. Um and uh, you have writers like Mari Sandoz, John Nyhart, Willa Cather, uh, musicians, Neil Hefty, Chip Davis. And then you got to put right up there on that list is Clayton Anderson. And uh, yeah. it's, it's just, I mean, it's amazing. Um, and welcome, Clayton, to our, to our podcast. We're honored to have you. Hey, thanks for having me on. And uh, hey, I'm right up there with Willa Cather. I've got five books, dude. <laughs> you know that that is it that just blows my mind though really that such a small state population wise can produce such incredibly great talent i it just all nebraskans should be proud to uh to uh understand their heritage and, and to obviously welcome you clayton to uh to that list um we want to get in, and, and I thought I would ask the, the first question. I, I was excited. I, I just happened to see it in the paper that you were um, announced as the director of the SAC Museum. I, I know you were living in Houston, um, and, and you were teaching in uh, at Iowa State. How did this How did this come about? How did this position, did you apply for it? Did, how did this happen? Uh, so I was on the board at the museum for probably the last, three years I think I was coming up on my third year Uh, so I was familiar with uh, the current uh, president of the museum and what was going on there Uh, then it would turn out that 
the previous president had some health issues and needed to focus on his uh, health, and he had to go east to the John Hopkins area where they could treat uh, the situation he had. So this wasn't even on my radar nine months ago until the chairman of the board came uh, and with some financial folks, uh, investors from Omaha, and they flew down to Houston to meet my wife and talk with me and, and propose that uh, I become the next president and CEO of the museum. So we spent some time, my wife and I, praying about it, talking about it. We talked with our children and our family. And it's, it seemed to be a God wink for us and, and a God thing to bring me back home to Nebraska with my family. So that's why I'm here. I believe I'm supposed to be here. After all, the museum's three and a half miles from the house I grew up in. I was born in Omaha. I used to run around those hills uh, as a kid, as a scout in the early days. And then the doors of that museum opened in 1998, one month before NASA called me and asked me to become Nebraska's first and currently only astronaut. Uh, not to mention the fact that my uncle's here running for mayor of Ashland. My son, Cole, and his wife, Mary Kate, are in Omaha. He works for Thrasher Support Works, and she's in medical school at the medical center. My sister, Lori, and her husband, Phil, are in Aurora. And uh, my brother Kirby and his family, uh, wife Gina and his three kids are in Omaha. So it just made sense that uh, that we come home. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that the SAC Air Museum got a great, I mean, like, I can't think of a better, like you, you're an air museum and you hire an astronaut as your CEO. It seems like the greatest like hire ever, uh, in my opinion. But um, you were talking about your books earlier and um, what, so the first, I believe the first one you wrote was The Ordinary Spaceman, which I've read a few times and it's really great. I would uh, definitely suggest that if you guys haven't read it yet um, to, to go ahead and read that. It's a really great book. And um, what, so like not every single astronaut that goes up in space has a book. What, why did you decide to write <laughs> the, the book just to like share your story and just get that out there just because it was it's a really neat story or uh, just because it was something that you'd wanted to do for a long time? Oh, it's mostly because I'm the best astronaut ever. <laughs> <laughs> and the humblest, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what happened was there's actually a, a story behind the story. So when I first became an astronaut, we started our training and did those sort of things. Uh, one of my first mission assignments was to go live underwater uh, at the Aquarius Habitat off of Key Largo, Florida. And back in those days, the Internet was relatively new. Uh, there was no social media, and NASA challenged us astronauts on this NEMO mission, NASA Extreme Environment Mission Operations, but clever name. Yeah. <laughs> and they challenged us to write journals so that they could post them on the NASA website so people could get a feel for what we were going through. Well, nobody looks at NASA's website, at least back then they didn't. And so yeah. I wrote these one-page journals, and that's what I called them, a journal, and they were, I tried to make them fun and educational and short so that people could enjoy and live vicariously through me uh, as I spent two weeks underwater. Well, I found that I really loved doing it. I really enjoyed sharing. I liked the challenge of making them educational and humorous. And so I would continue to do those journals periodically as cool things happened to me. So, uh, and I was going to start my training in Russia and, and several of the stories are about Russian experiences. Some of the experience or some of the stories are about experiences in a T-38 and meeting my wife and all these things. 
And so when I got done uh, with my first space mission, I continued to write these journals. I wrote them while I was in space. And when I retired from NASA, then I thought, you know, these, this might make a pretty good book. And I had a dear friend named Nevada Barr, who's a mystery writer and a New York Times bestseller 20 times over. And she uh, suggested that I write a book and she offered to help uh, by being my first editor. So I reached out to her when I retired because we hadn't chatted in a while. And I said, hey, you said you're going to help me with a book. Are you still up for that? And she said, yes, I am. Send me first the first chapter. So I sent her chapter one. And she sent me an email back and she said, this is good. And then she put a comma and she said, this is really good. And she said, I want to help you make it even better by ripping the snot out of it and taking away your two long sentences and reducing some of your adjectives. And she just became my coach, my writing coach. And, um, you know, I'd send her a chapter and she'd say, this one sucks. It's too boring. I don't want to hear about that. I want to hear about this. And so then I would reflect on what she said. I would I would think about what I how I could change it. And then I'd write another chapter back and send it to her. And she'd send me a note and she'd say, now that is a chapter. So I'm very proud of that book. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's an astronaut memoir that's not like most astronaut memoirs. Uh, I tell stories that people typically don't tell. Uh, and it's fun. It'll make you laugh. It'll make you cry. And it'll make you shake your head and go, WTF. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you can definitely vouch for that one <laughs> uh when, when you did your <clears throat> your first spacewalk i mean I, i'm i'm just thinking you know you're from ashland you're from nebraska omaha and ashland when you when you did the spacewalk did you it's, it's like holy cow i'm from ashland nebraska and i'm doing a spacewalk did, did that did that kind of blow your mind or yeah, absolutely. But it, it didn't blow my mind till after I was done. Um, from the time that I began to prepare spacesuits and get ready to go outside with a Russian cosmonaut, Fyodor Yurchikin, uh, focus was the key to make sure that everything was right, that there were no, mo no mistakes made, because, you know, you're risking your life when you do this. And so I was pretty focused for seven hours and 41 minutes. But I will tell you, that I had the big red end taped to my cuff checklist and I knew it was there the entire time. And I looked for opportunities to flip to that page in my cuff, cuff checklist and make sure that my uh, helmet camera would see that big red end so that folks would know uh, how proud I am to be Nebraska's astronaut. And it would turn out then that when I came back inside, uh, we had cleaned up, gotten out of our suits, we'd had something to eat. And I was able to go call my mom uh, on the telephone from the space station and find out that in her apartment were a bunch of reporters. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, that that was when it hit me that I was and am Nebraska's astronaut and, and that I did a great job on that first spacewalk and that I deserved uh, to be there and that I was supposed to be there. So, um there was a lot of pride that night. I mean, I didn't sleep very well. I was so excited that whole, that whole evening in space. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't imagine that obviously because I haven't done that, but that just sounds um, absolutely amazing. Um, and I mean, 
do you keep in touch? You're talking about the Russian astronaut or cosmonaut you were going uh, out on that spacewalk with. Do you keep in touch with those guys still, like the guys that you go up on missions with, or is it there's so many people that you like go up on missions with that it's just like you you'll know a name but you can't necessarily put a face to it, or are you guys pretty interconnected? Uh, it kind of depends. Um, Oleg Kotov is I see him quite a bit. He was our Soyuz commander and our uh, flight engineer number one on the space station. Fyodor was the space station commander. He's a little harder to get a hold of. Uh, they're both over in Russia. Um, they're both busy with their lives and their families. And it's the same way with the crews I flew on the shuttle with. We all know each other. And we actually, the 131 crew tried to have a reunion a couple of years ago that was uh, canceled because of the COVID silliness. And, yeah. you know, so we're aware of each other. Uh, we reach out to each other on social media platforms on occasion. Sometimes we call, I talked to my pilot from uh, SS 131, Jim Dutton, a few weeks ago uh, because I had a question uh, from a, one, a person in the museum who asked if astronauts log their mission flight time in their log books. And turns out he did. <laughs> and I didn't know that. So, you know, that was a cool, cool thing to learn. But yeah, we keep in touch a little bit. I see Oleg uh, annually when we have the Association of Space Explorers meetings around the world because he's a big player in that group so and it's cool to have these relationships it's cool to know yeah. russian cosmonauts and and be able to shake their hand and give them a hug and tell them hi in russian and and those kind of things so being an astronaut has has blessed me in in so many ways i can't even begin to tell you how many clay um one of the uh, I, I opened this up on my column to uh, to solicit questions from readers, and I, I think maybe we got some from our podcast as well. One of the questions that uh, a, a reader uh, uh, sent to me was, you know, Mickey Joseph is is trying to build a team, a cohesive unit that can go out and win some football games. You were obviously a part of, and you were just talking about that about teams. What do you think are the, the essential elements to building a good, solid team? That's a great question. I think it's very appropriate for NASA and the complex teams that we have that are not unlike football squads. I think that it's important that they all understand the mission objective, the goal. Um, you, you know, winning a football game is a part of the mission objective, but you have to have a bigger picture. You have to be thinking big and, and Hey, we want to win a national championship or we want to go to a bowl game. So the team has to buy in collectively to what the mission success is defined as. Uh, and, and if mission success is defined as a 500 season for year one, that's okay. As long as everybody's rowing the boat in the same direction, I think what happens in this kind of a scenario is that, A, in this day and age, there's people aren't given a lot of time to execute the mission. Uh, you know, Osborne, I remember as a kid, he, he got his rear end handed to him on occasion uh, before he figured it out and started to recruit more speed. And, and then he became that national champion coach. Well, we don't give coaches that amount of time anymore. Uh, it's, it's, it's a rarity. And so you have to, and with the portal and with all that craziness going on, the NIL, 
it makes it a hugely different job and a more difficult job. And you can almost liken that to NASA versus SpaceX versus Blue Origin versus Virgin Galactic. The game is changing. The, the space game is changing just like the college football game is changing. And so now, in addition to that mission success buy-in by your entire team, you also have to adapt. You have to be very adaptable to the situations that are presented to you. Um, you know, I'm like everybody. I wanted Scott Frost to succeed because I think the entire state of Nebraska has been begging for the second coming of Tom Osborne for 30 years now. And, and we went through some growing pains and found out that we didn't have that. Um, I think a lot of people hope that Scott Frost would be that guy, but it's, it's different. It's changed. I heard I was at the Oklahoma game last weekend. I got to see coach Osborne and chat with him for a moment. And he gave a little speech and he said, you know, you people don't want coach Osborne back as your football coach. You want my players. (laughs) (laughs) Great point. Oh, that's a hell of a line. Right. And now you look at, kids they're 18 they're 19 they're 20 and and they they got they're getting money thrown at them they got tv opportunities they're they got a portal so if i don't get a play this year well i'm leaving right because that's the mentality we've bred in in society these days so any coach has to overcome all of these different things and i'm hoping mickey joseph uh does an amazing job this year i hope he he gets them rowing in the right direction and uh, begins to put Nebraska back on the trajectory that we all want. Now, that will not happen in one year. It will probably not happen in three or five years. I mean, it, it takes time and it takes that adaptability and that ability to determine what your mission success is defined as. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> You're going to the dogs my do- there. My yeah. dog Lizzie agrees. <laughs> uh, and and you were talking kind of about how like i mean college athletes now don't really they don't want to persevere through stuff and i feel like you're a pretty good uh source of what perseverance really means you were rejected uh by nasa 14 times um before becoming an astronaut that's just like the de- that's the definition of perseverance right there because after like i mean i'm sure that some people would have been like, oh, like, let's try again, like fifth time, sixth time. And then after that, they're like, oh, okay. But 14 times is just, that's, I mean, that's just a big shout out to your character of just, I'm not quitting it. This, this is what I want to do. Um, what gave you that drive to go and do that? Like, why did you keep coming back after they rejected you so many times? Well, you could say it was either perseverance or stupidity, but uh... <laughs> I think that that this is what's important to me as a Nebraskan is this that perseverance and that work ethic were ingrained in me uh, from the start as a young kid. Right. When my father would wake me up in the middle of the morning, but while it was still dark and he would say, hey, I hired you to bail hay today for Harvey Jacobs. Oh, dad. And, And did I did I just roll back over and go to sleep? No, I got up. I put my clothes on, I got in the car and I went to Harvey Jacobs farm and I worked for 12 hours bailing hay all day. And, you know, those are, those are work ethics that I believe Nebraskans hold dear, at least most of them. Um, The character that was instilled in me as a young kid and as a high school person, because of the great educators that I had, uh, the great coaches, the great church family that I had that, that 
you know, we went to church every single day. And, uh, you know, I think that it's important that uh, people realize that Nebraskans are different. Uh, Nebraskans care about each other. We work our buns off to do the right thing. And that's how I was raised. Those were the, 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 I don't know, tenants, I guess, that people gave me that allowed me to succeed. And in all honesty, persevering as an astronaut in the application process was, was simple. Once you do the hard part, once you start out and do your first two applications or three where you you know, find out your, where you live the last 10 years of your life, you get your uh, resume together, you have your references, you have all the medical data. Once you collect all that, then it was pretty simple to do it annually, to, to resubmit and add in the things that had changed since the last application. So, uh, and the other point would be that I was at NASA doing something I loved. If I never got to be an astronaut, I still loved my job. I still loved what I was doing and the people I was doing it with. And the fact that I was contributing to something bigger than myself. And so if you go back to our coaching talk, that was my mission success. I was contributing to something bigger than me. And when you do that and when you have success, that's a pretty cool feeling, no matter how many years it takes you to achieve it. Yeah, definitely. But uh, a reader uh, asked me to ask you, did you, when you were in space, did you ever see any UFOs? I can't tell you, otherwise I have to kill you both. <laughs> <laughs> but All I will right. say this, the universe is so large, none of us, none of us humans can understand how big it is. And given that huge size, um, I don't think we're alone. Um, if you think of the universe as a massive pizza and that humans are on the one crust and we've all we've done as a species is send humans to the moon and back, which is about 238,000 miles. And so imagine on this massive pizza, if exactly on the opposite crust on the other side is a species doing exactly what we're doing. The universe is so large, it's going to take time. Uh, brain development and money to get to that pepperoni in the middle where we can actually see and meet another species. So there you go. That's my theory. All right. <laughs> um, and I, I had a, uh, another question come in from a, from a listener uh, and he was talking about the Artemis program that NASA is starting again of going to the moon again. And he was wondering if um, you were at, at all like, wondering if the delays and setbacks are that is because they're using the STS engines and stuff like that, which were notoriously not super great um, because funding wasn't exactly there all the time. Um, so they had to cut around some stuff, but uh, what are your thoughts on that Artemis program that they're, that NASA is working on right now? Hi guys, Will hopping in real quick. Before Clayton answers this uh, question, I uh, just wanted to talk again about the team Jack foundation and their radiothon event that's coming up. Um, I'll, I'll, I've got a promo I'm going to play for you guys in a few uh, in, in like a minute here, but I just want to explain again. Um, Team Jack, you guys know Jack Hoffman was the uh, childhood brain cancer is what they're fighting basically. And uh, they'll accept any donations. The event that's coming up that they, they asked Grandpa and I to talk about uh, to you guys, ask you to donate for is uh, the, the Radiothon coming up here uh, August, sorry, September 29th. 
and uh, that's going to be all day. You can, if it's in Ashland, Nebraska, I believe, and uh, you can donate through their website, uh, and that's teamjack.org, I believe, uh, or you can call um, a phone number, which I will pull up right now. Um, yeah, that's, so that website's going to be teamjackfoundation.org, or what you can do on that day, on the 29th, you can uh, call the number 855-RUN-JACK and donate there as well. I believe you might be able to call that now. Um, I don't know for sure about that, but um, just go and donate to them. Really great cause. Um, of course, Jack Hoffman, just a really sad story, but also a touching one at the same time uh, and just proves why we need to research this kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, here's that promo for you guys. And then I'll get back to this question and this great interview that we did with Clayton. For 10 years, we've been sharing the stories of Nebraska kids fighting brain cancer, and you've been there to fight with them. To those of us fighting every day, it means the world that they, you know, they take the time to do that for, for our kids. Be ready to fight. On September 29th, the 10th annual Team Jack Radiothon, presented by the Home Agency, all across Nebraska. Go Team Jack. All right. Get all the details at teamjackfoundation.org. Well, I think Astro Clay's 3Ds of space flight are important here. Danger, difficult, and dollars. So if you look at this, we understand the danger. We've solved a lot of the difficulty, but it's always about the dollars. Mm-hmm. And the Artemis program is a good program. It's a solid program. Uh, you know, you can argue with the pundits who say, well, we never should have used the space shuttle main engines. We never should have used the solid rocket boosters because they, they have issues. Well, yeah, sure they do. But some folks were trying to save money by reusing that stuff and save people's jobs if you have people at morton thiokol who are still cranking out solid rocket boosters for artemis just like they did for the shuttle program those people are still employed and that's Mm -hmm. important and and this political thing is all about multiple points right it's not just about how do we get to the moon in the most efficient way i mean we're spending taxpayer dollars elon musk is spending taxpayer dollars to a certain extent but he yeah. also has the flexibility to spend his own money and he can do things that we as NASA can't do, like build brand new engines. Yeah. Um, and so it remains to be seen how Artemis is going to work. Yes, it uses technology that we understand from the shuttle program. Uh, it may not be the best technology, but it's proven. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> we'll just have to see how it works out. You know, those quick disconnect seals that leaked. And we're dealing with hydrogen, which is the smallest molecule known to to humans or the smallest atom known to humans. So it's easy for little stuff to leak through a seal. All that, all those things are just technical issues that we will figure out. Um, But it will take that brain development and it will take money to figure it out. And is it the, is it the best use of the money? Is it the cheapest way, the most efficient way? Probably not. But in the end, if you're going to put humans on the top of that bad boy, you better get it right. And yeah, Elon's doing good things. Uh, But you'll notice that his big space rocket, whatever he calls it, the one he's building in Texas, you know, it hasn't launched yet. So once it does, then we'll see how he does it. And maybe he will have a better answer. And I don't think NASA's opposed to that, but but they can't wait. Right. And and when all this started, when the Artemis was begun after Constellation was canceled, 
the whole political thing makes this a lot harder more complex than it needs to be i think yeah yeah definitely i totally agree with you on that so so, uh clayton another question what is more difficult to transition to um earth's gravity to zero gravity or zero to earth's gravity okay so here's my answer it's way more fun to go from earth to zero gravity if you're not puking your brains out in the first few days. <laughs> and and I took meds so I didn't puke my brains out. So that was pretty easy. Coming back is is the same. <laughs> Coming back from zero gravity to earth, it really sucks and I puked my brains out that day and I I felt way worse. So I'm going to go with it's way better to go from earth to zero gravity than the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> all right and um what it, what would you say is your favorite what was your favorite part about being an astronaut like um the actual experience like what when you were like oh this mission has this certain thing i'm super excited for this mission because of that one thing or was it just you just were excited to be in an astronaut and just do all the stuff that comes with that i was pretty excited to do everything that comes with being an astronaut. I mean, I love talking to people. I love sharing my stories. I love uh, training. Well, not all training. Um, I love E thirty eight. I love being in the neutral buoyancy lab, the big swimming pool in Houston. But I think the thing that stands out the most for me was a spacewalk. There, there is absolutely nothing that's more cool and more exciting than going outside in a spacesuit and doing work and seeing the earth and and just making things right i mean that was that was the ultimate for me uh, a shuttle commander might say it was being the commander and landing the shuttle i get that because they're fighter jockeys and stuff but for yeah. a guy from ashland nebraska with a physics degree and a master's degree and no military experience being able to do a spacewalk was the ultimate yeah, yeah. Grandpa, um, he's he's sleeping. Don't wake no, him up. No, no, no. no. Um, what changes or what additions are do you plan to make at the SAC Museum now that you're the president and CEO? How much money you got? <laughs> what would you like to to do? Let me put it that way. There you go. Um. I think that it's important for people to realize I've been there since May now. So I guess I'm in my what fifth month. Um, and unfortunately for me, change happens slowly. My wife keeps reminding me every day, you can't do it fast. You got to take your time. Uh, you have to find the right people to support the vision. And so it goes to the vision. The Strategic Air Command and Aerospace Museum is built on the history of the Cold War and deterrence. So when the Sputnik launched in 1957, that freaked out United States military and it freaked out baby NASA, right? NASA was in its infancy. And everybody freaked out and decided we better do something. So what did we do? We threw money at it and we innovated and we created technologies that would help us lead the advancement of uh all the other countries in the world, right? The goal was to deter the world from having World War III. And that was called the Cold War. And so through innovation and through our ability to create new technologies to stay ahead of the game, 
we deterred World War III. And that includes going to the moon, right? Why did we race so hard to beat the Russians to the moon? Deterrence, baby. We wanted to show them that we were the best friggin' space nation in the world and don't mess with us. Right. Well, so now it's 2022. And that thread of deterrence is still valid, except it's valid now, not in the atmosphere, but above the atmosphere. China has a space station. Russia's peeing on our coin flakes on the International Space Station. The little guy in North Korea's got nukes and he's threatening every day, right? India's got space programs. The, the Iranians, the Iraqians, all those, all those people, right, that are playing in this realm that's three-dimensional now. It's, it's outer space. And my job, is to take the museum, which will be 25 years old next year. My job is to take that museum using the historical foundation that's been built over the first 25 years is to change it and adapt it and take it in to the next 25, which is in outer space. And so I'm looking for new interactive exhibits. I'm looking for NASA memorabilia and rockets. I reached out to SpaceX to try to get a Dragon capsule and a Falcon 9 rocket. And I'm on a waiting list. I mean, but I'm going to need help. I'm going to need Omaha and Lincoln and Council Bluffs and Nebraska and the Midwest to help me make this museum, which is a very good museum. But I want it to be the Midwest's preeminent space, aerospace, educational science center, uh, the best that it can be. So that's my job. Easy, huh? Yes. <laughs> Sounds like it. Just takes a little bit of money. Hey, uh how, how can you how do you say go big red in Russian? <laughs> That's a great question because <laughs> it'd be it's it's not a it's a it's an idiom, right? An English idiom, so right. it doesn't really apply. Right. And I remember calling up to the expedition four crew when I was at Capcom and I said uh and so it's basically go uh bolshoi is big and then is red so i said and they both listened and they looked at me and they said what the hell did you just say i said well i was trying to say go big red and they said well that's not how you do it <laughs> That's awesome. funny. That is so well, funny. Clayton, I think we're running out of time a little bit here, so we'll, we'll start wrapping this up. But I just want to say thank you uh, so much for taking some time and coming on our podcast. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on. Uh, we'd love to have you on after the season again. We can get that figured out at some other point. But um, just a lot of fun, a lot of stories. Um, and uh, where can people get your Ordinary Spaceman book or any of your books if they're looking to read some more about your, your stories that you have to share? Well, they can come out to the museum, and we have a stash there. That, And if they're lucky and I'm there that day, I'll autograph it for them. They can go to astroclay.com slash shop, and they can get any of my five books. Well, if the fifth one's coming out in 2023, it's called So You Want to Be an Astronaut. But uh, And then they can go to Amazon if they're if they're cheap, you know, like Nebraskans are cheap. So they can go to Amazon. <laughs> frugal. They probably frugal won't. was the word, Clay. Oh, frugal, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They probably won't get an <laughs> autographed copy. So, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, um, Grandpa. I don't have anything else. If you have anything else to say, but um... no, just uh, I, I don't know. I guess Clayton has probably already said he would like to have Mickey Joseph be the head coach. If Mickey can't do that, who who would you see? Who would you like to see as the next Husker head football coach? 
Oh, that's a loaded question. Yeah. Well, first yeah. of all, first of all, I didn't say I wanted Mickey to be head coach, but I want him to succeed. So if that means he becomes a head coach, yeah. you know, permanently, that's a great thing. Um, I know who I, I have many more names that I'd rather not see, but, uh, you know, uh, it's a tough, it's a tough call because there's something about Nebraska that is special. And, um, I think there are people out there with the coaching chops to do it. It's, it's whether or not, um, it's gotta be, you know, that has to be their definition of mission success would have to be to come there and, and make things better. (laughs) That's a culture thing too, right? It's not just, uh, it's not just winning football games, right? It's, it's a cultural thing. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I'm not going to say. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> He's a politician, Will. I can tell. <laughs> awesome. Well, Clayton, once again, thank you so much. Uh, Griff and I will be back next week reviewing Nebraska's game against Indiana. Hopefully it turns out better than the Oklahoma game did last week. Uh, and then Griff and I will definitely be talking about Scott Frost and Shenander leaving and what we think of that. Um, but we just wanted to devote all our time to Clayton today. And I think, uh, we definitely had a fun time. So, uh, that's all I have to say. And, uh, we will see you guys next week and I forget how to say it in Russian, uh, but we're just going to go with go big red.